You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Well, amen. It's good to be here this morning. In case you folks don't remember who I am, I am Chris's husband and Jalen's father. And all the lights clicked on. Oh, that's who that guy is. I thought he looked familiar. That's what I'm known back at home. But anyway, it's good to be here this morning. I've got a good friend of mine with me this morning, Gary Fredrickson. We've been good friends for many years now, and thank God for his friendship. And we just finished up a three-day weekend volleyball tournament. We've been exhausted, actually. The last four weekends, him and I have been on the road uh, to Kansas City, Wichita, another place in Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas. And, and uh, we got done last night, and 6 o'clock, he goes, oh, he said, I'll see you tomorrow night, Gary. He goes, where are you going? I told him where I was going. He goes, where's Elk Point? <laughs> Is that even in the States? No, he didn't say that. He goes, I want to go with you. So I appreciate him coming up here with me on that. And uh, it's exciting. Exciting to be back here. A lot's happened since the last time I have been here. You guys have done some decorating on the church on the outside. It looks very nice out there. So good job on that, folks. And uh, keep it up. Looks good. Crowd's gotten bigger. It's nice to see. The last time I was here, I was kind of weary about coming up here this time. Uh, two weeks after I left here, uh, a lot of you folks don't know this, I uh, suffered a heat stroke and uh, was with my brother in Alabama. Suffered a heat stroke there, and two weeks later, I came back to the, my hometown, back in Council Bluffs. My brother says, Chad, you need to go to the doctor. This is strike number two, because I had an incident back in, on the 4th of July. And I said, okay, I, I, I get what you're saying, brother. So I went to the doctor, and uh, they gave me a physical, and they said, hey, Chad. I said, yes, Doc. He said, do you know you're an AFib? And I said, no, I sure don't. And they said, you can't feel that? Your heart's beating 162 beats per minute. And I said, no, I don't feel a thing. And so I guess I have a heart of a champion. And uh, so I've been actually shocked twice in the last two and a half months to get my heart back in rhythm. Uh, my heart's good. It's all healthy. My wife says amen to that. And... Uh, uh, what they're going to do next on me, I appreciate your prayers. They're going to do an ablation on me. That's what they're going to do. So uh, that will hopefully solve the problem. But that's my update. And uh, I'm only telling you that. Uh, be in prayer for me. So I, this is what I got to inherit from my, my folks. So I'm only 44, which in Mike's eyes, what I heard last night, that's middle age. So sorry, I had to throw you underneath the bus. So I was asking him where he was going to be at today. He goes, well, I was going to be in Logan, Ohio. They're, they're about a middle-aged church. I'm like, what's middle age? Oh, early 40s. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. I see, I'm helping you all out. Exactly, exactly. He gets himself in enough trouble. He gets himself in enough trouble, which I, I love that. Anyway, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 26. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 26. Before I get started there, I'm going to say something to be an encouragement real quick. And I'm going to talk to the ladies, because the ladies know what I'm talking about here. But it's actually to the whole crowd. Women, you like it when you invite people over for dinner. Right? You do those things. You like those things. You want to entertain. And so what you do, you send out a list. Hey, I want to invite so-and-so to my house. And I want to treat them to dinner. 
And so in that process, you go through a lot of work. You clean the house from top to bottom. You figure out what type of food your guests like. And you do all that preparation. You go to the grocery store. You buy all those groceries. And all the time is, is into this little dinner that you're going to spend the next hour or two with these folks because you want to get to know them. And then out of the blue, about an hour before dinner is about to happen, you get a phone call. And I say, hey, uh, man, uh, I really appreciate the invite, but I, I can't make it. And the wife kind of gets a little bit discouraged. Not too far after that phone call, here comes another phone call. Hey, man, I appreciate the invite, but I can't make it. More discouragement sets in. Here comes another phone call. Hey, I appreciate the, the invites, but I can't make it. And discouragement just sets in. And the wife's just sitting there thinking, if they only knew of the time that I put into this dinner, the effort, the energy, all for them. And nobody showed up. Well, what's your point with this story? That's how a pastor feels when he doesn't see his folks in Sunday school. It got quiet in here. Your pastor puts time in his messages to feed you and you neglect the time to have supper with him. It's discouraging. I just want to share that with you folks. So next Sunday morning, you'll be here. Amen? Amen. Amen. And folks who are in Sunday school, that was all down out of what? Friendliness. Friendliness. Turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 26. Before we begin reading, let's have a word of prayer. I want God to bless in the time that we have with one another. And I really want you to pay attention to what's going to be going on today. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Uh, this day that you've given us, Lord, it is a, a great day for us to wake up, to be able to serve you, uh, to see you be your, your beauty before us. Lord, is traveling down the road this morning up here and just to be able to see the foliage that has changed colors from summer now into fall. Lord, be able to see uh, the sunny skies that we woke up to back at home and as we got here, it was, uh, it was cloudy. Lord, as I begin to think about that, I just begin to think about how great of a creator you are. And I thank you for allowing us to experience that in our lives. God, as we go forth this morning, I pray that you challenge us from your words. Uh, this morning, I pray that uh, I would be glorifying to you. And I pray that uh, if there's somebody here within the sound of my voice, Lord, that doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit this morning would just put an uncomfortable ease about them. Lord, I pray that uh, they would be miserable sitting in their seats to where... They need to see the need to call upon you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would save their soul from hell to heaven today. Lord, if there is a brother or sister in this morning that's backslidden, that's not right with you, but they're here this morning. Maybe it's because out of obligation. Maybe it's because they've been invited. Uh, maybe it's because they uh, want to keep the pastor away from the doorsteps in the next week. God, whatever the reason is, I pray that you bring them back to you this morning. Use me again, Lord, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Chapter 26, verse number 15, it reads, And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on towers 
and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. You might ask yourself a question, who is this man that they are talking about here? You go back into the earlier chapter here, verse number 1, down through verse number 14, you will see a man, a young man, by the name of Uzziah. Uzziah was a young man who inherited a kingdom from his father at the age of 16. We see here that this young man was able to do great works while he was a young man. He was able to restore the kingdom uh, that uh, wasn't thriving. He was able to do great things. God bestowed upon him at a very early age great wisdom. Matter of fact, with that being said, I have come in contact with a lot of people that are younger than me that show more wisdom than people who have been around for 50, 60 years of their lives. And God used this man. But there was a time that came place where this man's heart was lifted up to destruction. It was lifted up to destruction. As a matter of fact, he ignored the people that helped him be successful in his early part of life. And because of this, his heart was lifted up in destruction. So with that being said, Uzziah was a man who did not build fences in his life. The title of my message this morning is Building Fences. And you and I need to put fences in our lives. For what reason? To protect us from the things that are going to harm us. Well, what are those things? Those are the things that Satan wants to do in your life to destroy you from having a relationship with your father. You and I need to have fences. Well, what are the fences that we need to put around? Well, first of all, if you're married this morning, you need to ask God to put a fence around your marriage so that your marriage will stay strong until the day you or your spouse dies or God takes you uh, through the rapture. That is a fence that needs to be put up in your life. Why do I say that? Because we deal with marriages, even in churches, where they're hurting, they're struggling. Right now, back at home, there are two families within our church who are struggling with their marriages. They're to the point where they want to call quits. And so they're working very hard to restore their marriages. Well, why did this take place? Because they did not take the time to build fences around their marriages. And now, because of that, it suffers. So we move on from the marriage part of that. Marriage gives us children. And so, because we have children, we need to put fences around our children. Why do we need to put fences around our children? Because we need to ask God to guide them, to protect them. From who? From Satan. We need to have fences around our children. A, uh, a child without a fence will do what? They will get into harm's way. A, a fence that is uh, put in place will protect that child from all harm. What do we do when we have little infants? We put them in cribs. Why do we put them in cribs? Because we don't want them to fall out of the crib. If you look at a crib, what's it look like? It looks like a fence. It does. To a baby, it looks like prison. It's got these little wooden bars. And they're looking at this thing, let me out. So they begin to cry at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Why do you have me in prison? I want to be freed. Well, we put them there for their protection. 
and we need to have fences built for our children. We need to put fences around our churches. I mean, we need to put a fence around our church so people can't see and know we need to put a fence to have God to, to, to protect us. Do you realize, I don't know if you guys have seen this, I have seen God do a work in this church over the last several years. I've known from the place that you started to the place we are at now. You're growing and you're thriving. And when you're growing and thriving, guess who's around the corner to attack you? It is Satan himself. Satan wants to destroy the very work that's being done in Elk Point, South Dakota. And if we don't put fences around this church, if we don't guard ourselves, we will be in trouble. We have at our church, we have a security team. You're saying, why would you have a security team at church? Have you not seen what has happened in the last few years at churches that meet on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights? They have been attacked. And so we have men now who are willing to put their lives on the line for church members. And I hope it doesn't come to that. And you're saying, well, you're being a little absurd in this area. Well, you might think that, but we're building a fence. We don't want to be attacked. We don't want to be caught off guard. By the way, you don't know who they are. So if you ever come to our church, just be aware. There's probably about eight guys that are carrying. Just be aware of those things. Are they going to kill me? No, not if you do something stupid, though. <laughs> well, what's doing something stupid? Not giving the offering when the plate's passed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I know that's what runs through the mind of a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, we're building fences. So we need to put a fence around a church so that we can be protected. Amen. We, we, we need to do those things. And so with that being said, I'm going to give you three or four points this morning of what we need to do that Uzziah lacked in his life. First of all, we need to figure out our boundaries. Every piece of property has a boundary, does it not? You can drive through this whole state of South Dakota. You can go through uh, Iowa. You can go through Kansas. God, pray for those people in Kansas. But you can see every piece of property has a fence line because they determine their boundary. You and I need to figure out what our boundaries are. And so when building a fence, you must have a boundary line. Uzziah Hart's, his heart was his boundary. Your heart should be your boundary. There should be no exception. His heart was his boundary. And what happened was he didn't build a fence around his heart to protect him. His heart was what? Lifted up into what? Destruction. Why was it lifted up into destruction? Because he didn't build a fence. You might be saying to yourself, Chad, I've heard many sermons about building a wall. I've never heard a sermon about building a fence. But what do we know about walls? You can't see through walls. You can't see what's coming to protect yourself from those things. That's why I use the word fence this morning. You need to have a fence so you can see what's attacking you so that you can prepare yourself and your family and how to defend yourself. You need to have that in your life. He didn't have a fence around his heart. He left it open for destruction. He left it open for invaders to come in and to uh, captivate his very heart. One thing that I know about being a believer and just about being a, a human being in and of itself, everybody has a breaking point. Or you have an area that's been left unattended when an invader will come in when it's left unattended. There should be no boundary in your life that should be neglected. You shouldn't neglect those areas. 
And so that's why I say we need to build fences. And it needs to go up gradually. We put fences up too fast. What happens? They begin to crumble. Well, you mean we need to take great detail? Yeah, you do. Have you ever seen a builder rush through a remodeling project? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen someone do that? Matter of fact, if you know of a builder that's done those things, you're probably going to be calling that builder back within a couple months because it wasn't done properly. And so it needs to be done slowly. And you need to take care of it to have great detail, great design in this area. So no area in your life should be neglected. Take great detail in this. And so now that you have figured out that you have a boundary, what comes next? Well, after that boundary has been established and you know uh, the areas that you need to have protected and that need to be protected, now you begin to build that fence. And now you begin to put piece after piece after piece into that uh, uh, boundary area and begin to build those things. And once the boundaries have been determined, build it. Don't neglect it. Today is the day to build, not tomorrow. Because if we say we're going to build tomorrow, all we're doing is giving ourselves uh, self-excuses not to do something that needs to be taken care of today. We need not to neglect those things. Matter of fact, you wonder why you suffer in your walk with God? It's because you neglected to build a fence when God has prompted you to build a fence in your life. We'll all take care of that tomorrow. Have you ever heard of somebody say when you've witnessed to them, that, you know, I understand what you're saying, I agree with you, but I'm living a life right now that I love, and when I'm on my deathbed, I will call upon the Lord as my Savior. Who is going to be guaranteed that they're going to wake up tomorrow? Nobody is. And so when God beckons your heart, and when God begins to knock at your door, take care of business that very moment. Don't neglect that fence that needs to go up. You need to take care of what God is prompting you to do. You wonder why your children might not be coming to church. Well, Brother Chad, I don't understand why my kids don't come to church. Because you didn't put a fence around them. God told you in His Word to build fences around them. God told you to protect your kids. God told you to train up in the, in the Lord. And you neglected those duties. And now we, we see our children getting involved in drugs, uh, getting pregnant before they're married, living with uh, other people before they're married. And we wonder why these things happen. It's because it's not the pastor's fault. Everybody wants to point and, and put blame upon the pastor. Well, he didn't preach against this and he didn't teach against this. No, it's your fault because you didn't build a fence God told you to build it and you ignored it. So build that fence. Don't put the blame upon the pastor. Well, Chad, my marriage is is in flames this morning and we're hurt this morning and we're not serving God, but maybe every other week and and it's your fault. No, it's not the pastor's fault. Build the fence. Don't, Don't neglect it. But that's what we do. We neglect things in our life. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. No, take care of business today. Do what God has told you to do. Don't put it off. You know, when it comes to building fences, you need to have some tools, do you not? You need to have some tools. Has anybody ever built a fence by just looking at it? Okay, I'm going to go to the hardware store today, and I'm going to pick up uh, this fence, folks. I'm going to pick up this, this wood, and I'm going to put it in my truck. I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to put everything out, and I'm just going to look at it. Who are you? Dream of Genie? <laughs> Whoa, still there. Oh, so we can do the bewitch thing. Still there. No. You've got to have tools to build this fence. God has given us tools 
in our lives to build fences. Every tool that God has given you is important. It's important. And that tool that He has given us to build a fence is His Word. I won't do this this morning because I don't want to embarrass you. But if I was asked for a raise of hands this morning, how many people read their Bible every single day this week? The response might not be so good. Do you realize the Bible is the greatest tool that God has given us? But yet we neglect it. Protect your marriage. Protect your children. Guard your heart. How are you going to do that? By opening up the toolbox, which is the Word of God, and allowing Him to speak to your life so that you can begin to build fences that needs to be taken care of in your life. Without using the proper tools, the fence that you are about to build will eventually become very weak. By the way, every carpenter that builds fences needs somebody to design it for them. Where do you get that design? From God's Word. From God's Word. When the fence isn't built properly, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to take place. You might look at it and you might say, well, that was done. I got some duct tape on that. I stapled this here and I stapled that there. And uh, that might last for a few weeks. Uh, if the duct tape doesn't last, I'll get the scotch tape out there and, and begin to uh, keep it together. But eventually, when it's put up improperly, the invader will come in and will take advantage of you. Has anybody ever been robbed? Has anybody ever been robbed? I've been robbed. Not at gunpoint. But someone has stolen something from me. What did they steal from me? Well, when Chris and I got married, which was a long time ago, I had a sports car. I had a 1987 and a half. That was important for me to put in there because that's the last year they made it. 1987 and a half Fiero GT. And we got married, not in that car, but in the church. And I remember that car was... Uh, was it just a two-seater? I can remember us walking out of the church after we got married. She's still in, in the wedding dress. And I said that for a reason because a lot of brides, they change afterwards real quick. And they get comfortable and they all, all take off. No, we did it old school. We were still in the tux and she was still in her dress. And when she sat down in the car, I couldn't see because that dress was just so big. I said, uh, honey, new wife, is anybody coming to the right? <laughs> no, you're clear to go. But I love that car. But again, it was just a car. And I remember within the first six months of our marriage, we're, we're at our apartment and uh, uh, we had a laundry place on the second floor and I began to go down and do some laundry and I looked out the window and guess wasn't, was, what wasn't there? It was my car. And I thought to myself, well, I'm gonna go back up to my apartment and then I'm gonna come back down and look and as if it would be there again. So I go up there and like, this is, just, this is a dream, so I'm going to walk back up there. I'm going to walk down. And I walk back down, and the car was still gone. You know what happened? I was invaded. You know why I was invaded? Because I didn't take the precautions to put a fence around my car. Well, that seems silly. You're talking about a car. If you don't build a fence for protection, an invader will come in and take what is rightfully yours. He will begin to look for the weak spots. You know where my weak spot was in my car? The doors. 
You know what was wrong with the doors at that time? I did not lock them. You know, there's, I'm going to talk about my wife real quick. I love her. You know what she does? You don't say nothing to her, Aunt Carla. <laughs> or you, because I'll tell your wife what you said about her this morning. <laughs> she locks her car even when it's in the garage locked. You know, irritating as that is to me, she's right. Yeah. She's right. Even though they got a barrier, they're still going to try and break in. And once they get in, there's another barrier. She's right on that, even though it annoys me. <laughs> but the invader, the one who wants to attack you, will look for the weak spots. Amen. Where's the weak spot in a believer? When's the last time you open up your word? Seriously. Oh, Chad, we hear about this every Sunday. We hear, about, we hear about this every week. You want to know why you hear about it every week? Because you're not doing it. I had a guy a few weeks ago. Chad, how do you do what you do? How do you keep talking about the same thing and nobody's listening? Because I'm still prompted by the Holy Spirit to keep talking about it until it's actually completed. Amen. That's why. The invader will come in. He'll look for that weak spot. And once he sees that weak spot, he will begin to attack. When that fence is not built properly, it becomes weak. Uzziah didn't build a fence. Even though very wise at his age, even though he was able to take his kingdom out of poverty into uh, financial success, even though he was able to build things, where he lacked wisdom was in his life of building a proper very well built fence around his heart. He did not do those things. Why? Because he was very ignorant on taking the steps to build a fence around his heart. He was probably thinking to himself, hey, I'm, I'm 16 years of age. I got time to do these things. No, you don't got time to do these things. The time is now to build the fence. And I understand when you begin to build a fence, and we begin to do these things, it can become very exhausting. But not nearly ex exhausting as fighting battles every single day of your life because you neglect to build a fence in your life. You know why we fight battles? Because we don't build fences. We don't see the importance of building a fence. You know when you're not nearly as exhausted, you know, not when you're not nearly as fatigued is when your fence is built up properly. And you know who's holding that fence up? It's Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Jesus is protecting you. You know what you don't see every day? You don't see this. You don't see Jesus protecting you. You don't see the, the darts that are coming at him as he's shielding you from those things that Satan's wanting to attack you from. He is your fence. He is your, your lifeline. He's taken on those things. He's taken those, those thoughts. He's taken those wicked imaginations. He's, he's taken those uh, very things that Satan's trying to pull you away from. He's protecting you. You don't see his battle wounds that he has for you. You don't see those things. You know, the Bible says he's our shield. When you look at a shield that's been in battle, what do you see? You see damage. It's tarnished. It's scuffed up. And I'm not saying this to demean your Jesus or to demean 
my Jesus. But he's not as beautiful as we think he is. What are you saying? Well, first of all, he was a homeless man. He had no place to lay his head. The foxes have holes. The birds have nests to lay their heads. But the Son of God has no place. I'm saying today, Jesus looks the way he looks is because of the battles that he's fighting for you. He's fighting battles for you. He's trying to keep that fence in place that you're neglecting in your life. We don't have to be exhausting. We don't have to be fatigued as long as we have Jesus in our life building that fence for us. So we have our boundaries. We have the fence building process. And now here's something that might sound funny to you. Now we have the next phase and that's a completed fence. A completed fence. You know, I've been a guy in my life where I can start a project and not finish it. That's no different than our spiritual lives. We begin to do things, but we stop the process. And so often in our lives, we don't completely finish the fence building. It doesn't matter if it's a uh, four, uh, 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 if it's a quarter done, it doesn't matter if it's half done, it doesn't matter if it's three quarter done. Here's what happens when your fence is not completed. What happens is Satan is allowed to keep advancing on you and to attack you at any given time. Why in the world would we build a fence so Satan can't harm us, then all of a sudden we stop building a fence we're making ground. We're gaining ground on Satan every single day. We're having victories in our life. And so here's what happens. We, we quit the building the fence progress. And all of a sudden, the ground that we've gained on Satan, all the victories that we had, here's what's taking place. Satan is slowly taking board out by board, nail out by nail, fence post out by fence post. And he's allowing to gain more ground on you. Never give up your attack on your enemy. You always advance forward because if you don't keep advancing, he will find a way in to destroy your very life. And we wonder why we have believers that are falling by the wayside and it's because they don't have completed fences in their life. Satan has allowed himself to come into those uncompleted areas in your life. And you've allowed him to attack you in areas that you've tried to protect, that you've tried to guard in your own very lives. Here's what I begin to understand about building things. Sometimes you need help. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you need help in finishing the building process of the fence. What are you saying? We can't do everything by ourselves. So often we try to do everything by ourselves and we can't do it. Gary and I, we make a great team. We coach girls volleyball. I told you that in Sunday school. But I can't do it without Gary. I can't do it without girls, to be honest with you. Because it's a girls volleyball team. <laughs> Got to clarify that one. Because that sounded strange coming out of my mouth. I had a mic moment. But we can't do everything by ourselves. And so we're going to have to go to that great designer, Amen. that great finisher, the great creator, Amen. who is God himself. 
who is waiting to help you. He's waiting to help you. And so as you begin this building process, and as you might become fatigued and it's half done, here's what needs to happen. Stay focused on completing the fence so Satan doesn't have an advantage on you. Your very marriage, your very kids' life are at stake. The fence that you are building is designed, designed to protect you and those that live in your boundaries. Those that live in your boundaries. Well, who lives in your boundaries? If it's your marriage, it's your wife. If you have kids, it's your kids. Those that live within your boundaries. Now I'm going to finish up here. But I'm going to get on my fourth point. So what do we do once the fence is up? What do we do? I'm going to give you some things. Write these down because I think these are very important. The fourth point is signage. Signage. What do you mean by signage? I like to hunt. I haven't hunted in a few years, but I, I like to hunt. And one of the things that I've noticed when there's hunting, when a farmer doesn't want you on his ground, what's he put out there? Shotgun. Shotgun. That has nothing to do with signage. Shotgun would be good. But there's a sign that says, no trespassing. No trespassing. So what we need to do, we need to put signs around the fence that was just built. By putting signage up, this shows the intruder that he isn't welcomed. Amen. Why isn't he welcome? For this very reason. Mike, the invader's not welcome because you're God's property. Amen. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, Amen. you're God's property. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to Satan. You don't belong to anybody else. You belong to God. Amen. And you have the right to sit there and say, Satan, you no longer have control of my life. My fence is up. Now I've got signs and you cross this boundary. Don't blame me for the consequences that's going to come upon your life. Don't blame me because I have an owner that's going to take care of me. Amen. I put a sign that says no trespassing. You ignore that, then my owner is going to take consequences out on you. My owner is going to take the necessary actions to protect me. He will take action. The other sign is beware. Beware. Why? I'm the property of God. He has the ownership over us. There's the no trespassing sign. Because the owner will protect me at any cost. By the way, he did that on Calvary. He did that on Calvary. He took his life to protect you from the burning flames of hell. Some have accepted it. Some have rejected it. There's another sign that needs to be put up at your life and with your fence, and that is enter in at your own risk. I'm a child of God. I'm His property. And I'm not responsible for any damage. Amen. Finally, after the signage has been put up, after everything's been built, all the effort, all the fatigueness, all the lack of sleep, all the weariness, here's the final stage with this fence maintain it Amen. maintain it 
Why do we need to maintain it? Because where any damage has occurred over the time, repairs need to be made. Repairs need to be made to keep it strong. Don't neglect it. Because if we neglect it, what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come in and the enemy's going to hurt you. Destroy your wife, destroy your husband, destroy your children, destroy your relationship with your friends, your mom and your dad, destroy your relationship with your pastor, destroy your relationship and your fellowship with other believers, all because of the failure to maintain the fence that needs to be put in your life.